Hello and welcome to our midweek edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live from the Team Needham abode. And Janet is headed to the pharmacy to, to, to go help patients today. Um, uh, please follow us because we will be traveling to New York, actually tonight, um, tomorrow morning, actually. Um, and we're going to check off four more states off our state list of, you know, that we're traveling the United States to hit all 50. So we're going to have four more after this weekend, and then we only have four more to go. So please follow our, our journey because um, we always do use it. We always do uh, use our travels to network with one of our former podcast guests and talk about healthcare. We will actually be on the Robbie Ross show in, in Buffalo, New York. And we've been on, she's been on our podcast before we've been on her radio show before, and we'll be talking about hormones. So you don't want to miss out. That's going to be Saturday morning. And then afterwards, we're going to go for a bike ride. So we're super excited. Um, tune in for that. But today you don't want to miss out because we have Amy Kelly on our show and Amy Kelly is going to be discussing the Pfizer document analysis project. And I just realized that I, I have a spelling error there, which I will fix um, I've got duplicate words there um, on our banner. Um, and of course, when we talk about Pfizer documents now, I think Pfizer is just kind of linked now to uh, um, Pfizer vaccine. When we think Pfizer vaccine, we are going to be talking about the Pfizer COVID vaccine and the documents that are being released. And you are going to be astounded or maybe not. If you followed us long enough, you you know that uh, there's a lot of crooked stuff going on. So you don't want to miss out on this show. Amy, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me on. Go ahead and introduce yourself and talk about how you got into this, because it kind of just happened serendipitously. Yes, it did. Um, I'm Amy Kelly. I am the COO of Daily Clout and the project director for the Warroom Daily Clout Pfizer Documents Analysis Project. And as I was telling Sean just before the show, um, how I got involved is when there was a call put out for volunteers to go through the documents, which happened on Steve Bannon's War Room Pandemic show when Dr. Wolf was on, I went and signed up to become a volunteer because I felt passionate about this and enjoy doing research. And after I signed up and put in my skill set from my professional life, which is project management and business process improvement, I got a call that either that evening or the next day from one of the people working at Daily Cloud on this asking if I was interested in managing the entire project and overseeing the volunteers that are doing this effort. And I gave it some thought and accepted, and that's how I got involved. So as I often say, um, there are no coincidences, and it seems like uh, that was the same thing. So I'm glad that you're uh, running this project. And go ahead and start telling us. Let's just dive in deep into this project. What are you finding out? Okay, well, I'll start with a little background first, just I, in case your viewers aren't as familiar with it. Uh, what happened is Aaron Siri did a FOIA trying to get information from the FDA on the Pfizer clinical trial documents. He wanted to get those documents released. Of course, the FDA did not want to release them, and he ended up actually doing a lawsuit in order to get them released. The FDA tried to um, ask 
initially for 75 years to release the documents. And then I believe it was 55 years. And luckily, um, Mr. Siri was in front of an excellent judge in Texas who saw the absurdity of that and that it's important to have this information in the public domain and gave the FDA eight months to release 450,000 pages of Pfizer clinical trial documents. So that's how we have these. They're publicly available. Um, I can share the website where you can find them if you would like, Sean. And once that started, we, you know, people that were interested in this realized, wow, 450,000 pages in eight months is a ton to go through. And so as I was saying, um, Dr. Wolf, who I work with, was on Steve Bannon's show, and they were talking about how the documents were coming out and decided to crowdsource volunteering going through it. And they had a response like they would have never dreamed of. And right now we have 3,500 volunteers signed up. They are from all walks of life and background. We have doctors and nurses and data analysts and statisticians and biostatisticians and pharmacists and attorneys. Um, it, it's just been amazing the outpouring of people that want to help humanity and use their amazing skill sets to do so. And so now we have been going through those documents. It's actually um, been interesting because it went past eight months. We are now into uh, the one year was in March and we just had a new production of documents a couple of days ago. So that is still happening and we're still going through them as they come out. And it's been so enlightening to see what's in them. Um, some, I'll let you decide, Sean, uh, what some things are that you would like to talk about, but some highlights are that there are massive reproductive issues related to these vaccines. Um, I guess the main thing to say even before that is the safe and effective narrative, as you all are probably quite familiar with now, is a complete ruse. They are not safe. They are not effective. And actually, Pfizer and the FDA knew from the clinical trial documents that COVID was the third most common side effect from getting the COVID vaccine. So when they gave the 95% efficacy claim, that they clearly knew wasn't true. And they also knew that it wasn't stopping transmission. It just pretty much everything they came out and said was untruthful. And as I said, there's a lot of reproductive issues. There's neurological issues. There's um, brain-related issues that are happening. It, it just is changing the body. There's actually what seems to be whole new disease classes arising out of it. And what I mean by that is um, we're seeing multi-organ involvement with diseases that are happening uh, all over the world, actually. And that didn't used to be the case. You used to maybe have kidney disease and that would just be it, but you wouldn't have like kidney and liver disease at the same time or several other issues going on at the same time. But that is what's happening now that so many people have not only been vaccinated, but also boosted. So tell me how in these documents, are they easy to read? Is it pretty clear to find out this information in these documents? 
No, it's a scavenger hunt. Um, they are, as you might imagine, they're very technical. They're written in a specific way to be presented to the FDA. The FDA has a outline of the documentation that has to be submitted by a pharmaceutical company in order to seek drug approval. And it follows that they're um, dense, very medical and technical, lots and lots of tables of data. Um, one thing we've been blessed about in this project is to have some very skilled data analysts that are involved who have been able to extract those tables out of PDF documents and put them into Excel files where you can actually analyze the data. I feel like they were, we know that very likely Pfizer and the FDA had all of this in some type of spreadsheet or database file, yet they gave it to us in PDF printouts, probably hoping people wouldn't really dig through it too much. But we've been able to get that into Excel files because of what they've been able to do. And that's been very helpful. So you, you talked about reproductive issues. Um, and when you're talking about that, you're talking about safe and effective. So mm-hmm. do you have, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, mm-hmm. When I remember seeing some data that it was about after it came out, even though it was touted as 95% effective at first, of course, that's in relative risk reduction, not absolute risk reduction, which pharmaceutical companies use to manipulate data all the time. Not really manipulate the data, just how they define it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but then later on after it came out, it was about 12% effective. So when you say Mm -hmm. it's not effective, do you know what those numbers are now? I would honestly say that it's gone into zero or even less. Um, because what we are seeing occur, especially as people get, uh, I mean, it happens with the initial set of vaccines, but as people have gotten boosters too, is they are getting COVID and oftentimes they're getting it over and over again. And so it's actually causing people to be more susceptible to COVID. It suppresses the immune system a great deal. Um, And that was never really, well, that wasn't communicated. So a lot of people felt at the front end, like I went out, I got this vaccine and now I'm clear and I'm going to go out and do the things I haven't been doing. But especially during the first 10 to 14 days, your immune system is particularly suppressed and you're more likely to catch COVID and other things that are going around. And then, like I said, with this addition of, when they started pushing boosters and so forth, it makes you even more so. Every dose essentially suppresses your immune system more and makes you more susceptible. I I don't know of one person that received their COVID vaccine and didn't get COVID. Yes. All, all of them that received their, that I know of, that got their vaccine received COVID. Now, one of the things that the people that are still still supporting them. They'll say, well, but, you know, I didn't get as sick or, you know, sometimes the, the FDA or the drug companies or the, the narrative is, well, if you do get COVID, you won't get as sick. And I, I just don't believe that that is true. I don't believe that's true either. And I don't think that that can be clearly demonstrated from the data that are available. And it's hard to say what would have happened, right? You're speculating at that point. So you can't put scientific data behind that. That's just 
something people say to feel good about the decision they made, in my opinion. Um, so I got to, um, I haven't read those documents now that, um, you share them with me. I, I, I am going to look into this, um, even more and get that book. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. Um, but I want to know personally, because I personally know of now, um, at least four people, actually five people now, because I just found another one yesterday that have had brain bleeds in the mm-hmm. last four months, any of these documents, do they, and we're talking people in their forties and fifties, two of them were in healthcare. Um, mm-hmm. Two of them died. Um, well, actually four of them died. One of them lived. One of these five people mm-hmm. lived, I know of. <clears throat> Is there anything in these documents that show how these vaccines um, cause brain bleeds or aneurysms, anything like that? Strokes? Well, one thing that we do know is that they cross, the the ingredients cross the blood-brain barrier. So there's that to start with. You know, everyone was told it stays in your arm, but in fact, it goes all through your system. So that is one thing. Um, the other thing is that may apply to this, I'm not 100% sure about it, is vasculitis is a very clear adverse event in the documents from it. And so when you have this inflammation, vasculitis is inflammation of the blood vessels. And so when you have that happening, especially if you already have a weakness in one of your vessels, for example, in the brain, and so you're maybe prone to an aneurysm and you just don't know it, then that can be the final straw and what makes that happen. Wow. Interesting. And you know, when they talked about it stays in your arm, I remember that. And I mean, how could any healthcare, how could anybody with any rational sense, how is a vaccine that's going to stay right here in your arm going to work for your immune system to, to, you know, treat, to prevent a virus? I mean, that's the silliest thing. It, it's like, they just thought we were stupid. And, you know, I got to say, I don't blame them. I mean, look at some of the dumb stuff we did as a population. Oh, wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Wear a mask and stay home because it's going to help prevent this virus from spreading. I look back mm-hmm. how crazy that is that we believe this. And I got to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a little while, I did. My wife, she didn't buy it from day one. But for a little mm-hmm. while, I did. And I look back how stupid we were to do that. I mean, things like, mm-hmm. well, you got to wear a mask when you're walking through the restaurant. But when you sit down, you can take it off. <laughs> Yes. I mean, how can you not laugh at that, right? Right. <laughs> or how they they always have the gaps all around them, you know? <laughs> right. Like how people thought that was working, like just the air's only going forward and not out any of the cracks or anything. So then how can we trust this this magic vaccine that they made, which is not truly a vaccine. It's, you know, it's gene right. therapy. Um, you well, know, well, they knew um, it's in their documents. They did biodistribution studies of the vaccine as part of their clinical trials. And what it showed, there's um, in this one particular document, I'm thinking, I believe it's five pages. It shows that it goes everywhere throughout the uh, body. And it was in particular looking at lipid nanoparticles. And it shows that they lodge in um, organs all throughout the body. They're found in blood. They're found in plasma. They're found in bone marrow. So they 
knew when they were saying it stays in your arm, that it doesn't stay in your arm and actually goes everywhere. And as you said, it doesn't even make sense for what they were trying to accomplish with it, that they would want it to stay in your arm. Yeah, it, it just makes you, you know, wonder what what their what their goal. I mean, it makes you really question the entire process, the entire um, the entire narrative. When when you mm-hmm. think about just things like that, that well, it just stays local in your arm. Okay, well, how's it going to work? <laughs> it's only you know? going to work on that one muscle. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit because doesn't this book. Does this kind of sum up the documents since they're tough to read and stuff? This this kind of sums the, yes. docu- the documents up. Is that correct? So this book contains all of the reports that were written by our volunteer teams in 2022. So there's 46 reports in there, and it does make what's in the documents accessible to the um, everyday reader because, you know, it's what what is in the documents themselves is quoted and cited throughout this but it presents it in a readable format and you know you get to see each heading and what it's about so you can pick and choose if there's things you're particularly interested in um the volunteers have done an amazing job in often going from being traditionally medical people like i said to learning how to write in almost a journalistic fashion. So it's more, um, so it's easier to read and you can get through it well. I think anyone who um, wants to know and has been curious about what is in the documents, this is a great place to start. And then since that came out, we have done a bunch more reports in 2023. And those new ones are available on the website for free. And we will also be doing a second volume of the reports at the end of this year. So we are going to put these uh, um, uh, websites in our final edition um, link on um, in our uh, podcast, but um, tell us where these webs, where's the best place to find these? uh, What website? Please go to dailyclout.io and at the top there is a bar in the green bar it says shop and you click on that and it will be the first item you see in the shop will be the paperback we also have a pdf ebook edition that you can buy in our shop and if you go to amazon.com and search for the war room daily clout pfizer documents you will find the link to our um, kindle version that's available as well awesome so so what if you had to What's the most revealing thing that you have uncovered in your mind um, going through this project? I honestly feel like there's a couple of things. One is the complete disregard for human well-being and elevating greed to a level I couldn't have even imagined before getting involved in this. And I say that because they knew of so many harms that were happening to people. They saw how destructive the vaccine was, and yet they pushed forward with it because this was a gigantic cash cow for them. And I also feel like um, the FDA and the CDC and the White House all felt like we have to do something. We have to put something out there to make people 
feel better. Everyone's scared. And so they pushed through something that um, they knew wasn't effective and that they knew was at least potentially damaging from what's in the clinical trial documents. And now when it's abundantly clear how damaging it is, it's still out there despite that. So that's what I think the push was for doing it. You think it was just about money? I think that was a huge part of it. And also trying to, um, one, perhaps see how controlled the population could be. And then trying to allay fears that they had created both the government and through, you know, the me- the mainstream media that was all on board with it. They created such a culture of fear that our basic society started breaking down pretty much. And I feel like they said, well, we have to do something and we can tell them that you can take this vaccine and you can get back to your normal life. And that that was one of their ways of dealing with the alleged problem that they created. Yeah. And that's one thing that I, I like to add to when we talk about the pandemic, I like to talk about it being government created because it was Mm -hmm. government created. Um, And whether, whether the government helped to fund the the virus creation in that Wuhan lab um, or not, either way, the whole, the whole blow up of the whole thing, um, was was government created. So the narrative was definitely coming down from the government, pushing the mainstream media to, to basically expose this fear, which, you know, mm-hmm. when we look back or even daring, it's like, you know, it's a coronavirus. Our mm-hmm. bodies have been fighting coronaviruses for thousands of years. Yes. And it didn't wipe out our population. Mm-hmm. So, why should we think that this one's going to, even if it is man-made, it's still a coronavirus and viruses or, you know, life forms always revert back to their most natural state. So anytime we've tried to modify a bacteria or modify a virus, it always goes back to its natural state. Um, mm-hmm. And when we think about it, you know, a virus, it's not a very good virus if it kills its populace. Right, because then it can't replicate to other hosts. Mm-hmm. So, so to really think about all these deaths that were caused by this virus, I mean, mm-hmm. I would really like to know the true number. And I, I personally think it's very small. The true number of people that died from primary COVID. Right, I think so as well. Yeah, and the the denial of natural immunity when, like you said, we've been faced with coronaviruses literally from the minute or even before you're born because it's in your mom's body as well, you know, but your whole life you're faced with those and your body fights them off. And then to say, no, there's no such thing as natural immunity. It's just crazy. And and anybody, especially that's in healthcare, whether you're a pharmacist Mm -hmm. or a doctor or your nurse, and you had any kind of education on the immune system, to deny mm-hmm. natural immunity, we've never done that before in the history. You know, yes. people that grew up in the 30s and 40s, they didn't get the measles and mumps vaccine because they had mm-hmm. already, they already had measles. Mm-hmm. You know, and for us to think that we can create a vaccine, whether it's gene therapy or a true vaccine, that is better mm-hmm. than natural immunity, is really, really arrogant. Really arrogant. 
Exactly. I agree completely. And, and it, it was almost evil to tell people that even if they'd had COVID, they needed to get this vaccine because you have in from having COVID, not only do you not need it because of natural immunity, but your body's got the spike protein in it already. And so that's circulating around. And if you've had it fairly recently, and then you get a vaccine on top of it, you're throwing another dose of the spike protein on top of that. And that's what, when you do that, and it gets to a certain level that your body can't handle, that's when you really start having problems. Yeah. And that's why a lot of times you see, you start seeing people that have problems after they've been boosted more than once. Mm-hmm. So they start, it starts building up in the system. Um, and also we don't know, and I don't know if these documents are exposing this, but, um, are you familiar with the term hot lots? Oh yes. Yeah. How bad and, is my batch? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I don't know if, our, if we've talked about it on the air before, but there's something called hot lots. We've had Dr. Peter McCullough on, I think he's talked about it. Um, but why do some people get side effects from it? And some people don't, well, it could be timing with their immune system. It could be because they've had multiple doses, but um, the batches varied so much from lot to lot that mm-hmm. some of them cause more side effects than others. And there's actually a website I think you can go and look up what lot you got and 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 look at the side effects of it. Um, That's what I was mentioning. How bad is my batch.com is the website. Okay, how bad? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Thank you. How bad mm-hmm. is my batch.com? Um, mm-hmm. And it's just it, it's it's unreal to hear about stories like this. And it's just, it's so sad. And I think mm-hmm. you know, in the future, we just need to be very, very vigilant and more vigilant and just not trust the science. I mean, I, yeah. I absolutely despise that term now. Um, mm-hmm. It almost makes me want to vomit. Um, you know, to tell somebody to just trust the science, just do, do it and trust the science I mean, talk about arbitrary and capricious. I mean, holy smokes. Yes, I had um, someone I was helping just within the past week about the hot lots thing we were just discussing. And I helped her look up two lots because, um, you know, you get the, you used to get the initial two doses. They recently changed that. And one was very benign, almost nothing happened from it. And the other one had a crazy amount of side effects and deaths and disabilities associated associated with it. And also for anyone who's interested, that that is what it'll show you. It'll show you deaths, disabilities, and other side effects and the frequency of those side effects if you look up the lot. So it it's shocking to see how different they can be. Well, and from my perspective from a pharmacist, mm-hmm. um, you know we're taught that there is a specific range of where a drug falls into um, its labeled potency. And if these lots vary so much from lot to lot, there's different things in it or whatever it is, um, how can we trust anything Big Pharma makes? Can we trust the drugs as pharmacists that we give out? Because they what's in these vaccines is not what they say is in the vaccine, I guess, because every lot Mm -hmm. is different. Is that the same way with every drug? I mean, I think, I think that's a great question. 
we have to question that. Mm-hmm. Well, in the Pfizer documents that have been produced, one thing I have found of interest is it's very clear that um, good manufacturing practices, which is not just a term, it's actually something that's documented, how you manufacture stuff, clearly weren't followed. And not a single manufacturing document has been produced to date. They are from a particular module of the documents called Module 3. And every time a new set of documents comes out, I scan through to see if there's maybe finally a manufacturing document. And so far, we haven't received any of them. And perhaps that's because they view it as proprietary, but I tend to think it's more because those good manufacturing processes weren't followed. Unreal. You know, and I got to say, you know, as a, as a pharmacy, um, state and federal organizations wouldn't let me get away with that kind of stuff. So why are we letting the biggest drug of all time, which it did this, this drug actually COVID vaccine actually passed up statins, you know, Mm -hmm. for treat cholesterol as an, as the number one selling drugs of all time. And they were on the market for a couple of years and statins have been out for 30 years. It just tells you how much money is behind this. Um, you know, it just, how, how can we not question anything that goes on that the CDC says, the FDA says, NIH, how can we trust any of those organizations anymore from our government? I would love your comment. So I was not at all what would be called anti-vax or anti-medicine. I honestly hadn't given it that much thought. I kind of trusted what I had been told about it because I didn't have a reason to, but now the further, the more information I've gotten, the further I've dug in, I don't trust any of it. Um, I, I've told my daughter that uh, one day I will be that grandmother who's going to be like, don't vaccinate your children. And she's going to be like, but they're saying to, and I'm going to be like, no, don't do it. And I mean, I even want to get off like the most established benign seeming drugs that, you know, I've been taking, for example, for allergies or something. I I just don't trust even Advil really anymore. You you don't know what you have and haven't been told. It's interesting you say that because we, you might know the name Dr. Merrick with the FL. Mm -hmm. The protocol. We've interviewed him, and um, the first round of interviews was him um, <clears throat> and his lawsuit regarding the FDA about basically outlawing doctors, making it illegal for doctors to prescribe what's appropriate for their patients. And right. I don't know where that's. I think they had to, um, you know, change, modify their lawsuit a little bit, but they're they're still ongoing. Anyway, we had a follow up with with him alone. Because he was on all these medications um, for type two diabetes, mm-hmm. for high blood pressure, and he didn't trust it anymore. So he changed his lifestyle, got off all of them, and doesn't have those diseases anymore. And it's just a great story yes. and a reminder mm-hmm. that we're talking about a doctor. And a lot of times in healthcare, as pharmacists and doctors, we're the first ones. I'm just going to say it. We're the first ones to drink the Kool Aid about. Oh well, mm-hmm. I've got reflux. I need Prilosec. Mm-hmm. No. No, Sean, you've got reflux because you eat like crap. Stop <laughs> eating like crap and you don't need Prilosec. Yes. Yeah, I had a lot of inflammatory stuff going on years ago, you know, like just pain from different inflammation. And I started changing my diet and I eat primarily paleo now. And pretty much all of that's gone away, you know? It's- 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So, Amy, as we wind this podcast up, um, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what do you have a passion for? Oh, I have a true passion now for truth and justice. I really hope there will be accountability for things that have clearly been crimes that have been committed against society. Also for informing the public about what is really going on and getting the word out. It makes me so sad that there's a huge population of people that don't even know these documents have come out. And, you know, it's been completely suppressed in the media, the mainstream media. And so they don't know this information is available. And I get emails every single day from people who are either suffering themselves or have loved ones who are suffering. And I just want to help those people and help them know not only um, what has happened to them, but that there are ways to pursue treatment. And you mentioned FLCC. They have the I Recover protocol that is for post-vaccine syndrome, um, which I've heard very good feedback on. And also the wellness company is doing a fantastic job helping those who are vaccine injured. And that there are just even supplements that you can just get off of Amazon that are able to help take away some of the side effects people are suffering from. Yes. Um, if anybody has any questions, what's the best way to get a hold of you, Amy? You can reach me. I'm just going to put it out there at amy at dailyclout.io. Please feel free to email me. I'm also on Twitter at AK underscore America and on Getter at AK America if you would like to reach me there. Awesome. I love it. So our main goal, excuse me, of our podcast is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. And you've helped us realize that goal. So I so appreciate it, Amy. I would love to have you back on again uh, for some follow-up because um, this is not over. In fact, I think it's just starting. At least this process that you're doing is just starting. Um, So I'd love to be back on to to, to give an update because there's going to be plenty of them. Oh, that would be fantastic. I'd like to come back. So Monday, listeners and viewers, you want to tune in because we have Lucia uh, back on our podcast, and she is going to be talking about college mandates. And a lot of the colleges, most of the colleges now have made it, have have um, pulled their mandates. So, But there's still a few of them out there that have not, and we're going to be exposing them. So you don't want to miss out on a regularly scheduled podcast Monday uh, 12 30 to 1 30 Pacific Standard Time. Um, and as always, listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in. And Amy, thank you so much for tuning in for uh, um, educating us today. We really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much for fighting. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.